And welcome, friends, to the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you. Bill Jack from Worldview Academy here as well. Hey, Kevin. Hey, Bill. Um, well, marriage RIP in America. Yeah, RIP. Respect. Rest in peace. In peace, yeah. The misnamed Respect for Marriage Act has been passed through U.S. Senate uh, this week. Vote was 61-37 on Monday. Uh, that's the second vote. They're working on a third vote as we speak. But uh, this means that, well, I guess for the first time in all of created history since God created the world, man has redefined marriage. I wonder how God feels about that. You know, redefinition of marriage by very powerful people who sit in legislatures and courts and saying, God, you have no idea what you're saying. And I, we're going to do whatever we want to do. Thank you very much. I hear something in the background. I, I hear I hear a rumbling of God's laughter. A little bit of laughter. Mm-hmm. And it is not pleasant to be no, laughed at by no, God. No, no, By no. the creator of the mm-hmm. universe who nope. created marriage, who created man and woman. And then suddenly we are shaking our fist in his face and demanding that we can redefine the, the institution of marriage, which he has instituted. Utter absurdity. Utter absurdity. And every pastor in America, every Christian in America, needs to say those two words. Right? Utter yeah. absurdity. Yeah. Every single Christian in America needs to say utter absurdity. We need to stand up and say to to the legislature, we do not believe you. No. And, we do and, not believe and, and you. And we are going to break your law. In yes. fact, make a list of the laws you're going to break. Put it on the fridge. Yeah. We're really? breaking laws. Nail, We're going to break them, laws. Nail them to the front door of the church. There you go. That would be a good thing to do. Tony Perkins says, not only is this language in this Disrespect for Marriage Act light years more radical than the justices ruling seven years ago, cracking down on parents, charities, adoption agencies, teachers, Christian schools, counselors, and Bible-believing professionals, the government would be declaring open season on anyone who believed in marriage, as it's always been the union of a man and a woman. I don't think he's overstating the case. He says that Christians will be sitting ducks. Prime targets for government investigation, prosecution, even civil action. H.R. 8404 is a stick of dynamite that, in the hands of the left, would supercharge the attacks, the marginalization, and the oppression of people of faith and anyone who believes in marriage as human history defines it. This has very little, if anything, to do with the LGBT community. We must understand this. This is all about the Gramskin Marxists. Exactly. And shutting down freedom of speech in America. Yes, you think we're going to go that way on this on this piece of legislation that, that this will shut down freedom of speech in America? Absolutely, we we will not have the right to say the things that we have to say, we, we've except for the fact that. that we will say it, but we will pay for saying it. Right, and mm-hmm. those there will be people who will be cowered cowered into silence because they they don't want to be persecuted, and so we will be forced to live by lies. Gregory Baylor, who's the director of the Center for Religious Schools and a senior counsel with Alliance Defending Freedom, also echoed what you just said. He said it further embeds a false definition of marriage in the American legal fabric. It opens the door to federal recognition of polygamous relationships. It jeopardizes the tax-exempt status of nonprofits that exercise their belief that marriage is the union of one man and one woman. It endangers faith-based social service organizations by threatening litigation and liability risk if they follow their views on marriage when working with the government. And finally, and this is the big deal, 
it could make religious freedom and free speech cases harder to win. Yeah. Well, Nero won again. Nero won Lawrence v. Texas. Nero won Obergefell. Nero, who was the first to bring in, he was the brainchild for sodomic marriage. He created some marriages, quote-unquote, with a couple of young men. Then he burned down Rome and went on to persecute Christians. That's what happens with an ironic agenda. It destroys civilizations, and it's always interested in the persecution of Christians, always. And, of course, in this case, it will be used as a tool for the left to, uh, to destroy freedom of speech and perhaps even freedom of religion. Well, Nero won almost every battle in every Western nation since 2001, and he won on Monday this week by a vote of 6137. There are decisions that will live out to infamy, and you know what they're saying. You know what these Republicans, 12 Republicans went over to the other side. Roughly 22 to 23 percent of Republicans went south on, um, in, in the House of Representatives as well on this bill. The same percentage, roughly, did, uh, did the same thing, 24 percent in this case for the U.S. Senators. And friends, you know what they say? It's a new world. It's new morality. Get over it, you Neanderthals. Wake up and realize we're in a new world, a new age. We're in an age beyond religion. We're in an age beyond God. We have finally achieved life beyond the creator, and we will determine our own ethics, and we will determine our own social systems and we will redefine marriage for the first time in 6,000 years of world history and too bad for God. But, but you Neanderthals need to wake up and realize that this is the way it's going to be for the rest of human life on planet Earth. That's what these 12 Republicans are thinking. Yep, and the 47 Republicans in the House who voted for it. And let me give these names because these will be the names that will live on for infamy. Roy Blunt, a senator from the state of Missouri. And these are fairly conservative states as well. Richard Burr from North Carolina. Shelley Moore Capito from West Virginia. Susan Collins from Maine. No surprise there. Johnny Ernst from Iowa. Cynthia Loomis from Wyoming. One of the few, if not the only, uh, senators. I guess the only other senator from Wyoming. Lisa Murkowski from Alaska. Rob Portman from Ohio. Mitt Romney from Utah, Dan Sullivan from Alaska, Tom Tillis from North Carolina. That is, both North Carolina senators went the wrong direction. Shameful, shameful, shameful. Todd Young from Indiana. This is what Jesus has to say to these folks. Then said Jesus to his disciples, it's impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Well, you look at history. I'm going to go over history just ever so briefly here, Bill. Look at history. You're going to find there are some of the worst decisions in all of human history. And this is one of them. This would be one of the five to ten worst decisions in terms of civil government, in terms of uh, social systems in, in the last, I'm going to say, two, three, four hundred years. The final solution, this would be similar to the final solution of the Wannsee Conference in Germany. You remember when that happened? That was the final solution, quote-unquote, for the elimination of six million Jews. Okay, that was a bad decision. And there are names that will live on into infamy, and that would include Reinhard Heydrich. 
Otto Hoffman, Heinrich Himmler, Heinrich Mueller, and Adolf Eichmann. And, you know, these names are well known. People understand these tyrants, they paid the price, uh, sometimes with their own life prior to the uh, the trials after World War II, but the, they paid the price here on earth, but they will pay the price in the final judgment as they face the judge of the universe as he says these fateful words, depart from me, you workers of iniquity into eternal fire that is saved for the devil and his angels. Unless they repent, that, that's, that's where they will go for the decisions that they make. So same thing for Roe v. Wade. Justice Blackman, Berger, Douglas, Brennan, Stewart, Marshall, Powell, they will live on into infamy for the decision that they made for sentencing 10 million babies to their, excuse me, closer to 100 million babies to their death. And unless these men had repented or will repent, I don't know if any of them are still alive, but unless they repent, they will face the judgment of Almighty God. And that judgment will sentence them to hellfire forever for their decision in consigning 100 million children to death. Okay, these are the names that we will remember. Russia has its share of bad decisions as well. Vladimir Lenin legitimized homosexuality and abortion after the 1917 revolution, decimating Russia's social system. So that's where it all began. It began with Lenin. Mm-hmm. He, he was convinced that, uh, that an, a new social system, a new system of morality should be imposed upon the 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 western world the developed world uh the the post-christian world and uh, so it was really vladimir lenin that began this vision for the western world and it's been carried on by roy blunt richard blur susan collins johnny ernst cynthia loomis shelly moore capito lisa murkowski rob portman mick romney from utah Dan Sullivan, Tom Tillis, and Todd Young have joined uh, with uh, the Roe v. Wade justices, the uh, Wansi conference uh, deciders, and uh, of course, Russia's problems with Vladimir Lenin. Also, Yosef Stalin's decision to starve the Ukrainians, bringing about some 10 million deaths. I would include that in the list of some of the worst decisions ever made. Mao Zedong's decision to take the Great Leap Forward, which turned out to be the, uh, the, the great leap into the grave for 100 million people. One of history's worst decisions was that of Russia Tsar's Nicholas II and his wife Alexandra, who followed Rasputin, a religious charlatan as well, that eventually led to Lenin and Stalin taking on their demonic agendas. A couple other decisions that will live on into infamy as I see it would be what happened in the UK Parliament in the 1960s. In 1967, David Martin Steele, Baron Steele of Akewood and Leo Abbs, made the decision to move forward an abortion bill in the UK Parliament. That occurred uh, roughly 1967. Then Arthur Kattendike, Strange, uh, and David Archibald Gore, he was the 8th Earl of Arran, brought homosexuality to the UK in 1967 with a bill that they brought to Parliament. So these are the names that will live on into infamy. Now, you probably haven't heard these names. You've heard of a few. You've heard of Stalin. You've heard of Lenin. You've heard of Mao Zedong. Perhaps you've heard of Justices Blackman, Berger, Douglas, etc. But David Martin Steele as well should be on the list. Arthur Strange, David Gore should be on the list. Governor John Love as well. I would include him in the list. You know who he is. He's a governor here in the state of Colorado. Yeah. 
signed the abortion bill in 1967. Yep. First state to do so, followed up by Donald Ronald Reagan's signing of the first abortion bill in California, and then Governor Reagan's convenience divorce bill signed in California in 1969. Now, again, unless they repent, they will face the judgment of Almighty God in hellfire forever for, for their decisions and, and what they're doing and what they have done, what they brought upon this world. These are the Neros, the Ahabs. And, of course, there are more, but nobody will be held more responsible for the destruction of a civilization than these folks who made these decisions as leaders in the civil magistrate, in the U.K., in America, and the Soviet Union. And the reason I I chose these bills is because these are the largest nations in the world that seem to set the example for uh, the, uh, the other nations around the world. So these, I would believe, would be the most responsible to Almighty God for the destruction they brought upon His earth. Be back with more in just a moment on the Generations Broadcast. You know, busyness has a way of creeping into our lives. As dads, it can leave us longing for moments of one-on-one time with our sons to simply talk. And those moments can be tough to come by. I get it. That's one of our top goals for our annual summer father-son retreat in the Colorado mountains, to provide quality time for you to connect with your son. Can you think of anything more important for your schedule next year? If you are looking for an opportunity to bond, to really bond with your son, then join me, Kevin Swanson, and hundreds of other fathers and sons from across the country next August. But be sure to register soon because we max out the camp every year and we're already filling up. Go to coloradofatherson.com today and choose one of the two weekends available before they are full. Lord willing, I will be there, and it will be a great opportunity to meet you and your son. This is your chance to secure the lowest price for this event, so go to coloradofatherson.com and register today. And we're back on the Generations Broadcast. Kevin Swanson with you, Bill Jack as well. Bill, politics is a big deal, but culture is just as important today, if not more important. Maybe not so much for Nazi Germany. Maybe not so much for the Soviet Union. Maybe not so much for China under Mao Zedong. But you move into the 1980s, 1990s, and 2000s, and it's Lady Gaga, Steven Spielberg, and others that bear the weight as well. Uh, Popular culture has an influence, and I think popular culture had an influence on Roe v. Wade. Oh, yeah, I agree. I, uh, what you see and what you listen to has uh, the effect of immersing you into a zeitgeist, a, a worldview. You can't escape it. You see it on billboards. You see it in magazines. You see it, hear it in the radio and lyrics to songs and commentary in asides during a commentary, you see it in television programs. You cannot escape the culture. It is the, you know, it's the water in which we fish swim. We are shaped by it. Now, as you think of the homosexual agenda coming on like a flood, I call it the gay Borg. Wow. Is Disney including a homosexual character in every single movie they present for six-year-olds these days? We've given the history of this all the way back to How to Train Your Dragon and The Beauty and the Beast, uh, 2017, whatever it was. Mulan was an example of transgenderism. Um, But, wow. I mean, this year, you've got two of the most, 
These are the major animated flicks for children in 2022, and both of them are basically themed around homosexuality. Right. I mean, that's $450 million in production value gone into Lightyear and now this new strange world. $450 million. That's a, that's a chunk of change. That's a lot of money. That's, I mean, these guys have put some money into this thing. And it didn't bear the return. And they bombed. Both bombed. Both bombed. And Both so bombed. you would think that they would, they would learn their lesson and go, oh. But, but they're not going to do that. They're not going to do that. You know they're they not going to do that because this is the agenda. And the, the agenda is everything. Yeah. Okay? Agenda is number one. Entertainment now is number two. Mm-hmm. Right? Let me go over that one more time. Agenda is number one. And entertainment is number two. This is the way the Pied Piper works. Disney's big, big game, green, strange world crashed at the box office. It's a gay, green, strange world. Just tanked at the box office. And the story is disgusting. Uh, I, I'm not even sure I want to explain it to y'all. It, it, it's a teenager. It's like a 13-year-old boy. I mean, he looks like he's 11 years old. He's a homosexual. I mean, it's just gross. He's turning towards perverted sexuality. And oh, by the way, all three of Ethan's elders are accepting and encouraging of his choice of partner. And he's 13 years old. <sighs> and and you, you know who's watching it. Right. It's the 10-year-olds are watching it. Well, that and pedophiles. Thank you. Thank you. This is, of course, the Greek gymnasium coming back. Yeah. And, is, and we this know is, this. This is called, we used to call this grooming. Oh, yes. Kevin. And it oh, was, yes. it was, it was prosecutable. We could oh, prosecute yes. people for grooming. And now we are encouraging it and we are Disneyfying it. And funding it to the tune of $450 yeah. million. Mm-hmm. Disney will lose about $300 million, but uh, that's okay. It's all for the cause. Yeah. It's all for the cause. Disney's second homosexual animated film just did 11 million at the box office. As I said, it bombed. But uh, here's John Nolte. I'm not sure who he writes for, but John Nolte's not happy with this. He calls it grooming. Yeah, he doesn't like it at all. Uh, Disney used to be the go-to brand. We trusted Disney to deliver not only quality entertainment, but wholesale, wholesome entertainment, entertainment for the whole family. But those days are older. Over the predators of Disney are coming for your kids, and everybody knows it. The Disney brand is now the equivalent of a nondescript van and a guy behind the wheel offering your kids candy. Tough words, strong words. Mm-hmm. You agree with it, don't I you? I agree. Absolutely. Strange World's environmental propaganda sounds obnoxious enough, but Disney also had to add the homosexual subplot involving two teenage boys. Adult sexuality in a kid's movie. Why? We all know why. Just like this summer's light year, which also flopped, Disney is preying on your children, looking to destroy their innocence before you as a parent are ready for that to happen. In other words, most parents aren't ready for it to happen. They just let it happen. It just sort of happens. So anyway, the story goes on, and I don't want to spend much more time with it. But I think another point that needs to be made is that the Avengers... The Marvel franchise is also owned by Disney. I didn't realize this. No, I didn't know that either. The Marvel franchise is owned by Disney. And so starting with the Avengers Endgame in 2019, homosexual characters have been incorporated and ever since. Almost every Marvel movie now is about homosexuality. Doctor Strange, the Multiverse of Madness came out this year. Deadpool 3, same thing. Avengers Endgame 2019, as I mentioned. Eternals, same thing. Uh, Thor Love and Thunder has an LGBT character, et cetera. Doctor Strange won't play 
and Saudi Arabia, Kuwait, and Qatar. There's a Islam countries that they're just like, uh, maybe not. We're yeah. not. We're not running to indoctrinate all the kids and how to engage in homosexual sex. We're just, you know, it's it's interesting. The Islamic nations are pretty much the only nations that are standing against this utterly destructive form of cultural expression that is undermining the entire Western world. This is blowing up the civilization of the Western world, my friends. And the idea is normalization. Let's just get right to it. The idea, Bill, is normalization. In other words, you've got to have a homosexual character in every one of the Marvel franchise movies from 2019 onwards. Same thing with the Kitty films. And the idea is to more normalize it. Are we more concerned with the politicians or the producers? It's mass media that is doing this. And they've been doing it since the 1960s. They normalized fornication in the 1960s. They normalized divorce in the 1970s. They normalized single parenting in the 1990s. And now they've normalized homosexuality in the 2020s. This is what's happening. And normalization is this. You, you get to the point at which you expect there to be homosexuality in the film because homosexuality is part of the warp and woof of normal life. Normalization is an everybody does it, so it must be okay worldview. Yeah. It's, it's, it's that the crowd is doing it, so since the crowd is doing it, it must be okay for me to do it. Of course, God is taking it out of the picture. But as long as we're doing this in a crowd, surely God wouldn't destroy all of us at the same time. There's safety in crowds. No worries about the brimstone and fire. Tell that to the folks down at Sodom. Mm. You follow me? Isn't that pretty much the way this works? Yes. In other words, if we come to the point at which, you know, everybody's okay with it and this is all part of life, then... You know, then we don't have to worry about God's ethics. We don't have to worry about God's judgment. We 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 basically take what I would call a democratic ethic. That is, if fifty one percent or seventy eight percent or ninety nine percent of pop culture is accepting and affirming of homosexuality, then the rest of us must do so as well. And we can't speak against it because it's it's. Us speaking against the tidal wave, so why bother? Plus, you're just going to bring the, the the culture's ire and and hatred upon yourself. So just keep quiet. Just stay in your lane. Of course, the book of Proverbs says, do not go with the crowd to do evil. Mm-hmm. Do not go with the crowd to do evil. Do not go with the crowd to do evil. And Psalm 2 and verse 2 says, the heathen do rage, the people imagine a vain thing. The kings of the earth, and that includes Hollywood producers, they come together. They set themselves. They normalize everything. They say, hey, let's break his bands asunder and cast away the Lord's cords from us. But he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. You know, Bill, the bottom line with all of this is these guys only last for 5, 10, 15 years. And then it's all over. And then they're off to Judgment Day. And we as Christian families, let's just shut out all this garbage. You know, I was thinking about this this week. There are Christian families that are okay with heterosexual fornication sex scenes, but not okay with homosexual sex scenes. 
Bill, that's just hypocrisy. Right? That's just hypocrisy. But we've been trained to accept. Because we normalize the one. We normalize the one. And now we will soon normalize the other. other. And that's that's where the process is working its way out now. So friends, hey, stop being so hypocritical. Let's be consistent about our moral standards. In fact, I was watching something. We were actually surprised about this. It was a true story of something or other. And my wife said it was a good movie, but we were running a uh, filter on it because we weren't sure. Okay. It's one of those things where you're, you're running it, but you're not sure about it. Well, it was very interesting. This is the, the first movie I've watched in six months, a year, or something like that. Okay. But it's a true story. It's an interesting story. I, I don't even want to give away what the story was. But, uh, but we filtered the thing. So we had it running through a filter. But Bill, what's interesting is that I noticed the fornication was still assumed. The, the nudity was filtered, but not so the, the fornicating implications, the bedroom implication. In other words, the fornication part of it was left in while the nudity was filtered out. Hmm. And I thought to myself, I still have got a problem with that. You know, I'm against that. That's, that's still wrong. That's still a violation of God's law. As much so as homosexuality. Now, I think an argument can be made that homosexuality is more egregious in the sight of God. I get that. But, but it's, it's all sin. It's, it's, and it needs to be dealt with that way. It needs to be thought of that way. And granted, you know, you watch a movie today, and my guess is 97, 99% of them are going to take fornication, sexuality outside of the bounds of marriage as it's totally socially acceptable. Right. You agree with that? Yes. And, you know, taking God's name in vain. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. Well, let's wrap this up. Be discerning, my friends. Be discerning. Seek out that which is edifying, that which turns you towards thanksgiving to God, praise to God, that affirms his law, that acknowledges what is right and what is wrong according to the standards of his law not according to the standards of the zeitgeist. Be sure you're not that frog that's in that slowly boiling water and you're acclimatizing yourself to increasing levels of egregious sin. Just be careful that you're not normalizing the things that God considers to be abominable. Seek out that which identifies the amazing work of God in history and science and that which acknowledges God and gives God the glory. And be sure your family is edified by your entertainment and cultural choices. And that's basically the theme of my book, The Tattoo Jesus, What the Real Jesus Would Do with Pop Culture. That's my little book on popular culture, movies, music, etc. And if you'd like to understand better how to discern popular culture, get a copy of that for yourself, for your teenage boys and girls, whatever. It's called The Tattoo Jesus, What the Real Jesus Would Do with Pop Culture. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.